Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Grief Gang podcast with me, your host, Amber Jeffrey. The message behind the Grief Gang is to normalise the topic of conversation that is grief. People living with grief can often feel ashamed, isolated and alone. This podcast was created to break those taboos after I myself experienced all of those feelings after the loss of my mum in 2016. I decided enough was enough and we need to talk about this. You'll hear on this podcast an array of stories and experiences, some being my own and some being fantastic guest episodes and their incredible stories. You'll laugh, you'll cry, but I hope above all, I hope you'll learn. I hope you'll learn that you are not alone in your grief journey, that you have a voice and it should be heard, that you and your grief matter. So without further ado, I'll let you enjoy the episode. Happy listening. everybody and welcome back to the grief gang podcast with me your host amber jeffrey yet again another wonderful guest episode but not just one guest i'm giving you two guests today um these two wonderful women as soon as one of them she said slid into my dms and told me about all what she was doing i became obsessed i actually became obsessed and it's now just become a beautiful i'm gonna say friendship i'm gonna say we're friends because we're friends out here and um i am loving what they're doing and i cannot wait to share their story and their bloody charity charity with you so without further ado i would like to introduce emma and amelia the founders of suicide and co charity girls thank you so much for being here how are you we're good amber you are most definitely a friend that was um that was some embarrassing instagram stalking just forcing it forcing not one of us upon you but two of you hey i want to be a friend and my friend wants to be your friend too. 100%. um but thank you 
Thank you so much for oh, having no, us on. Oh no, thank you. It's been it's been long awaited and We've had so many conversations before. I mean, me and you, Emma, offline. Um, and I mean, like, this is the first time I'm meeting you as well. And I'm so, I know. as you said, actually, Emma is more on social, so that's sort of why. But I cannot wait. There's, yeah. there's two of you, two of you, the absolute duo behind Suicide & Co. Yeah. Um, how's this week been for you? I mean, I, I know it's been a busy one and we'll go and sort of why that is. You want to tell the people why it is and then we'll go a bit more into it later as well. Yeah. <laughs> I love this with a duo because you never know who's going to talk. I love that. I'm I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's just been a very busy week because we've been doing our t shirts, which Look we've seen you in as well. Yes, One I have got mine. Big time. Yeah. So, no, we've been doing that, which has just been going incredibly, incredibly well. And actually, the fact that it's going really well has just like meant loads more work, which has yeah. been fab. Yeah, it's not a tad stressful, but really good. <laughs> Absolutely, it's, it's sort of like the best kind of stress, isn't it? I mean, it, yeah, it is the thing for exactly. best kind of stress. I mean, like yeah. stress for me is actually like oh, right now, but um, for <laughs> yeah. all the good reasons, for all the good reasons. Oh well, girls. So the people they are just on your name, but tell them a little bit about who you are. Who are you? So the loud northern voice is Emma um, and I'm from Bradford. I've been in London for 10 years and as Amber already said, I'm one half of Suicide & Co, um, which is a charity that helps those grieve by suicide. Um, and the reason that two of us as two halves have come together as one person to start the charity is because we both lost a parent to suicide, um, gosh, a decade ago now. Um, I work in podcasting. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's quite weird <laughs> being on a podcast. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's it. That's, that's me in a little nutshell. I'm usually blonde. I'm currently ginger. Um, and, and, yeah, thoroughly excited to be coming out of oh, lockdown. Oh, babe, tell me about it, tell me about it. Oh. Part of me is still in a little cocoon, though. I'm still in a little cocoon. I'm like, I don't think I'm ready just yet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm not ready. No, I'm no. not ready from a work perspective. I'm yeah. like, hang on a second. I've now got to have a hangover and do my work. No. Yeah. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, exactly. girlies, thank you so, so much for that. And so this is the part where we just go into a little bit about your stories. As you both just said there, you've been... Um, bereaved by suicide over 10 years ago and yeah I would if you would I would like if you are comfortable with going to about your story about who it is that you lost um as little or as much as you like take the stage either one of you sure yeah. I'll go <laughs> um so yeah so as Emma said um uh, the reason we're connected is because we both lost a parent to suicide it's not the same parent we are not related yeah. um but I um I lost my mum to suicide 10 years ago. Um, I am an only child and uh, my parents got divorced when I was three. So my mum was kind of like a real, um, my main parent to start off my life with. I lived with her. I never lived with my dad. Um, and like, she was just the most amazing woman. She was silly and creative and incredibly warm and made everybody laugh. And just the snuggliest, snugglier of all. Um, and unfortunately, she suffered with mental health a lot. And she um, was diagnosed with bipolar. Now, 
when she died, I was 19 and I wasn't sort of um, aware of all of it, but I was aware of some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, I even remember to the point where the year before she died, one of our trustees now is a girl that I went to school with and her mum very sadly took her in life the year before my mum. And we actually weren't very close at school, but I remember ringing my mum to be like, please promise me that you're never going to do this. So even though we'd never had those like really deep conversations, I definitely knew a bit. Um, but sadly, uh, it totally took me by surprise and um, lost her to suicide when, as I say, when I was 19. Um, and the rest of my journey has just been a massive grief journey that's ended up, I mean, it has been 10 years. I found the first couple of years incredibly difficult um, to Mm. process. Um, But I would say, and even now, like I would say I'm still processing parts of it. So it's been, you know, Mm -hmm. um, a very long journey, but ultimately, you know, as we all know, you never stop sort of like missing that person and, um yeah I don't really know where else I'm going with that story but that's kind of a, in a nutshell what I would describe my story as yeah no thank you that's absolutely perfect thank you Amelia Emmy Poo <laughs> isn't, it, um, isn't it weird whenever you hear and you will have this all the time Amber whenever you hear somebody else telling you their grief story yeah. your heart yeah. just collapses like Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So as Amelia said, it wasn't the same parents and we're not related. And the accent probably gives that away a little bit. Um, we, are just, we are just the best of buds. Um, so dissimilar to Amelia's story, I'm I'm one of two. So I've got um, I've got a little sister who is my absolute world, Abigail. Um, and she's still up in the north of my mum as well. Um, and mum mum's just incredible as well I'm we're surrounded I'm very lucky to be surrounded by incredibly strong women um and yeah we were just a small little family unit four of us Mm. grandparents and so much has changed in the last 10 years because now it's just um me mum Abigail and Mm. lovely partners um but my grief story is me bumbling around it so I don't have to say it still isn't it weird how you're like oh um so dad passed away, gosh, ele- yeah, 11 years ago, um, and to suicide. So sadly, we lost him to mental health. Um, he wasn't really unwell at all until the two years prior, or at least he wasn't diagnosed until two years prior. And the two years prior to that were mm. really hard. Um, I think particularly particularly for my mum, because I was actually yeah. at uni when it happened. Um, so yeah, I was 20. And um, and yeah, he had bipolar, pretty severe bipolar, um, was always described, and I know that you hear this so often when we talk about mental health and the education part of it. You never mm-hmm. knew with my dad. He was the life and soul of the party, like from a big Irish family, mm-hmm. big party, um, all, all the laughter, all the loves, all the giggles and all of that but just deeply, deeply mm. sad and just deep-rooted sadness that just manifested in such a way that couldn't, there wasn't mm. any way out of it. Um, yeah, and, and it, I suppose it's good to give details around this, but um, it wasn't a case of 
it wasn't a case of us ever having concerns of him attempting suicide or because it just wasn't yeah. it never happened until mm-hmm. the day that it mm-hmm. did happen um and me and Amelia speak about this at length the different experiences of suicide is just fascinating so I so we didn't get yeah. left a letter and everybody has mm-hmm. this film Persona, yeah. this film fantasy yeah. of yeah everyone gets left a letter and, it, and it's beautiful like like anything you would expect and mm-hmm. we just didn't have that it was just a full yeah. stop um a full stop to a really turbulent two years of sadness and yeah yeah, so Emma, that is such a that, that's such a poignant way that. to point that I just just a full stop. So it's just no. a full stop to that, and then it's you've been given that full stop, and like sort of like how do you then begin, quote unquote, your next sentence, which is your life, and continue. Mm. And so for you both, Emma, you being twenty, and Amelia, you being nineteen, what did those early years of your twenties look like? Loads of weed. I mean, I was a car. Lots of weed. (laughs) True. No, not lots. (laughs) I I I ain't shaming. I ain't shaming. (laughs) I don't know whether that's legit on this podcast. Just came out of my mouth. No. Uh, Anything goes. No, listen. I didn't. I wasn't like too much. I mean, for me, what I thought was really interesting in the first two years is everybody was always like, oh, God, like we're nervous she's going to go off the rails and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, actually, kind of mastered the art of just staying just on the rails like I didn't yeah. fall I you know I was kind of just keeping my shit together and just trying to plod along really mm-hmm. like trying I had a lot of like um sort of admin stuff to store so I didn't have anywhere to live I had to like mm-hmm. come back I had to look for you know see if I could live with my dad see if I could live on my own I ended up living on you know I had I had uni to finish I just kind of like the first couple of years for me were just like survival mode yeah yeah, I don't know about you, Em. Well, I do, but what's your? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I'm um, sure you do. I'm sure you do as folk. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm pretty sure I do know, but <laughs> I love that. <laughs> your conversational. I, I, I don't know I about you, Em. Like, you know, we went a charity together, and I've probably not heard your story before. <laughs> love that. Love that. <laughs> oh dear. Um, for me, so I. I'm a real get up and fight sort of person. And I was so angry with my dad and so cross with the world for handing me this shit stick of a situation. Yeah. And it's like, I'm in my final year of university. Everything mm-hmm. should be really fun and about me. This is going to be the only time in my life that I shouldn't be dominated by something else. So I had loads yeah. of anger, real anger issues. Abigail, my younger sister, will be listening to this and she'll be like, yeah. it was a nightmare. Um, and and I insisted on going back to uni even though mm-hmm. I really shouldn't have so I insisted on going back to uni it was just made lots of bad decisions just yeah lost a lot of friends because nobody at that age mm-hmm. really knows how to deal with death yeah. let alone mm-hmm. suicide mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah and then I actually did so I did a couple of months at uni and then realised it was a very silly decision. And I went to um, University of Chester and they were incredibly supportive. Um, and they suggested just deferring um, and just saying, yeah. So I took a bit of time out and um, and just went home. Abigail was doing her GCSE. So it was nice to be around to like yeah. help mum out a bit. Um, and we still had grandparents on. So my granddad, was, um, my granddad had had a stroke a few years 
previous so he was really quite unwell so just um so yeah just was helping around helping yeah. around and yeah and then it just got back on track and life started to move on and got better and then the anger probably faded about yeah two years ago <laughs> so I really carried yeah, it for a long time and then and then and then met Amelia and the grief the grief conversation um took a different just took a different, um, different realm. Yeah, we've well, absolutely touched on that. Direction. So yeah, so I want to know how did how did you two meet and and came to be? How have you come across each other in life? Oh, okay. <laughs> who, who's going to tell the love story? Oh yeah, it's a good, it's a very good love story. <laughs> oh. It's a real meet cute. Mm. We were at um, we were working together and um, we were like we're both in cinema advertising and we were supposed to be going to this conference um, and the conference was a bit shit and instead we were like didn't know each other very well at the time we were like should we just go and like have a drink and like talk work stuff yeah, yeah. like go and have a drink went and had a drink bottle of wine down suddenly Emma was the one that really realized that as we were talking about like our family situations she just had that like instinct right mm. Em that you were like oh you're not mentioning something mm-hmm. here um, and yeah that kind of opened it up and you, we you know we you know, you know just how someone's yeah. reacting and and I am a little bit witchy <laughs> yeah, you are. a little bit spiritual but, but everyone always goes Emma's a bit yeah. witchy and I just remember I, rem- I remember I remember in the moment I said what you because it was just before Christmas and um and really weird timing. It was actually the night. It was actually the night before my grandma oh passed my away, and we were super close. So all oh, weird yeah, universe yeah. moments. But I remember just saying, "What are you doing for Christmas?" And you telling me, and, and I remember instantly thinking, "Oh, mum, mum, mum must have passed away." And then you said something else, and I remember thinking, her reaction mm. all screams to some sort of shame, right. death. Um, and at that point, like we wouldn't, we hadn't really. Like, I hadn't really had conversation with somebody about yeah. that specificity or somebody in a similar situation to me really ever before and I think then everybody we kind of kept talking and then Emma came up with the name pulled me into a meeting room and I don't think she you didn't ask me to be a part of it I just was like I'll do it with you yeah yeah <laughs> I think, I mean, every intention yeah. was. I was just yeah. feeling it out. I was like, what do you think about this? And before we even, before I even got to the second sentence, really, was like, I will. <laughs> I will. I will do that with you. Love yeah. that. So, that, so, then, so then with that, Emma, so, so yeah, so, okay, so you, you'd sussed out. So, so when, when was the moment where you both, you both kind of went, yeah, I've lost a parent to suicide too? Was it just kind of like the, un, was it like the unsaid, <laughs> Emma had sussed out? It was Emma. Yeah, and then yeah. I think that, and then we had another we had, then we had oh. another bottle of wine and I just and I just yeah. blurted it out. I just said, Oh, did mum did mum die mm. from suicide? And then we stopped mm. her for a little bit in the in the pub and then just carried on Love drinking. That. It's just I can't even pinpoint. I never it was a, probably an accumulation mm. of things, but I just and I've never yeah. had that before with anyone where I've gone Yeah. I don't know. Weird. Maybe it was um, I don't know, some sort of universe magnet. Yeah, you, you, that's that's the witchiness. Anything is like, well, I just did it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So then, Emerson, after that, you've gone away. So, so by the sounds of it, the idea of suicide and co was in your head already. And then, so what was that? So what was that? That spark that for you where I'm going to start 
a charity and support people? I think for me it was um I think for me it was knowing how hard it is going through suicide bereavement and nobody really there's not really there wasn't a yeah. resource there ten years ago. When we looked into it there still wasn't huge mm. progression. Um and for me it was just a case of how can I make it easier for anyone else who's gonna mm. have to go through this? And me and Amelia speak about this a lot and we have an awful lot of guilt around should we be putting all of our time and energy into the prevention mm. side because we've been affected by mental yeah. health in one way or another by losing mm-hmm. someone to it? And But we just felt that space is so... It's just... It, it's dominated by brilliant yeah. forces. So whether it's Samaritans or Mind or Calm, there are multitudes of them. And then you've got brilliant... You've got the brilliant, like, mm-hmm. the crews in bereavement for suicide... Well, bereavement yeah. on a whole, but... Well, I'm, I'm yeah. well, there's loads, yeah. isn't there? Without mm-hmm. name checking everyone, but we just felt there still wasn't anything specifically for yeah. suicide bereavement, and, and we really, we we never want to get into the idea of um, grief Olympics because we think all yeah. grief is valid and all grief is traumatic and horrific in its own right. Um, but I, but we do think a lot of people who go through suicide bereavement just feel like they don't have a place for their for their um for their loss yeah. and their feelings because there's still a lot of miseducation around it and a lot of people still go, well, it's a choice. And And, it's difficult. So that's that's kind of, that's how, yeah. It was just just hoping, hoping that other people weren't going to be as lost as I was. And you you touched on a really good point there of of sort of how like, you know, there's um, the likes of like Cruise and and so many other charities and as such, um, but nothing specifically for suicide bereavement and as you say you know we we can all relate to each other on a whole to a degree but as you touched on earlier like you felt anger towards your dad you felt anger and finding a space where potentially you know you might you might be uh being supported or in like a support group or something like that where it's predominantly deaths by cancer heart attacks stuff like that and there's people not this isn't saying that you know you don't love your dad or that you don't feel the love but these people don't aren't angry at them they're not angry at their loved ones for dying and grief is alienating and isolating as it is and then having that added feeling again mixed feelings of feeling anger towards your person it absolutely deserves like I don't want to say separate space but an individual space to explore that Mm. and unpack that and then so yeah it's, the, it's, it's unpacking. absolutely unpacking and the peeling back of that layers um yeah absolutely so then okay so then you've ha- you had this idea and then what, what was it was it always a charity idea well I mean with any, I mean Amelia is 100% of velocity and energy behind <laughs> everything we actually do because I have a million ideas a day but I don't have the intention like to too many tabs so actually if Amelia won't <laughs> Totally. So yeah, it was a very small idea, and it was always um, it was always something mm-hmm. non-profit. Um, and then when we did the research, we just felt that the charity space was right, and we had a friend who is still a very dear trustee and um, part of our law Amazing. side of the um, charity, and she advised that it was the right decision yeah. to make. Wow. Um, yeah, and here Fantastic. we are. Fantastic. So. 
so what I I, I, I find it so mad just the the, the thought I could imagine you two just sat in that in that little pub or that bar oh over God. a bottle of wine and after that moment it's okay you've had the conversation you found out that about each other you've now had the idea about the the charity when you when you've introduced the charity to the world what were your first thoughts were you like fuck this is real Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. I gave a presentation on this literally last week yeah. and it was like the most cathartic process to go through the journey. I mean, like I do not recognize myself from two years ago sat in that pub, like yeah. the amount that I have learned and we have changed. And also like at the start, we used to meet every Tuesday when we were like figuring out what we were going to do, whether we were going to do like, because we talked about suicide specific grief support. There is a charity out there that are national, their heritage, they're, they're good. They're really yeah. good. They do peer to peer. So we did like lots of analysis at the start being like, is there a space like we don't want to rewrite the wheel and where we came yeah. across is like counseling and offering that mm. as our service but as you can tell from emma's original name like suicide and co is the one that hit me like i was like i get it immediately i love that you're doing something different yeah. it's great um when we actually got to the point of like telling the world i mean we started to like tell friends and family and it was mm. all like really cozy i think the biggest moment that freaked me out and i wonder whether it's the same for emma it's like we did i was so secure in the analysis around the fact that nobody else was doing what we were doing because i didn't want to get out mm. there and be like oh well actually you're stealing that person's share or you're like whatever um yeah but when we got onto instagram i was suddenly like oh my mm. god who are all of these people and then, like we were just <laughs> saying earlier this evening, it was like a massive bear hug of like, welcome to the grief mm. community. Like, we're incredibly yeah. supportive. Because, you know, we did not factor that in. And now it's like my one piece of advice I say mm. to everyone. I'm like, don't worry about yeah. Google. Look on Instagram. Who is out there? And like, yeah. check the space for you there. Because it's the new model of support. Like, charities, of course, have an incredible space. But the model of support that Instagram is giving through these unique chat is just amazing. So that was for me the moment that I was like, oh my God, terrifying. But since then, yeah. it's been lovely. Yeah, like you're entering. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's been lovely. Yeah. It's that you're entering yeah. the world. And it's so fun. Everyone who I speak to on the podcast, or off outside the podcast, um, who have either started pages or, you know, been introduced, they literally are like, it's opening this door and this massive bear hug and it's and it can be overwhelming um because mm. you're like in a way you're like fuck this is great and you're like shit where have you been like where have you been for the last like for you guys like like eight years nine years ten years and then like i was like fuck me i could have i could have done with this about three years ago and mm. it's just you wish within our societies and our like conversations and you know if you go to like your in a weird way like when you would go to your gp or be like i'm not doing okay they in a weird way be like go on instagram like <laughs> they kind of like prescribed you instagram <laughs> oh my god social prescribing i reckon yeah. it'll have yeah. it. social prescribing well. yeah. absolutely we have yeah i think it's, it's definitely well. happening in the and therapy rooms it's happening there for sure i know that hmm. And like people I see, and obviously I can't speak for everyone, but some of the women and men that I've met and adults as well of an older generation even over the last 
year or so, I'm like, your progression of where you are at, on your journey is where it took me eight years. Yeah. And like the fact that you're into already integrating with us, you're already talking to us, like that's fantastic. And I know mm. it's like hard to measure, but it's amazing how far we've come, I think, and how, you know, close, much closer we are to being able to support people if they can find us. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, ma- it's a massive tool helper. But, it's, but, but isn't that mental? But it's like grief and death and bereavement is becoming mainstream for social media. I'm pretty sure it should have always been mainstream because it's the one thing that affects everyone. Oh. It's like sorry about that. It's not like a I know. Yeah. It's like everybody does. Emma, you're preaching to it's the so choir. Weird. Preaching I mean, to I'm... the choir, babes. Because <laughs> and. It really is, isn't it? It really is. And I found myself sort of having those conversations, having those thoughts too of, um, especially within this last year, it's a bit of a tangent of just how in this last year, obviously death has been so heavily rammed down our throats and in our face all the time. And rightly so. Um, But like sort of like the spotlights and media, it's kind of like it's got the hot lamp and shining on like our community. And it's like, ooh, look at all these people doing all fantastic stuff. And it's like, fuck me, I've been here for fucking years. And there's people who've been here for time doing this way before, Mm. almost like way before, in a fucked way, Way before death was cool. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Way before talking yeah. about death and grief was yeah. cool and showing that you yeah. could express it was cool. It's like we were here before this. And that's not yeah. that's not shitting on anybody who has found in this last year their expression to do it within this yeah. last year. It's more of a slew towards like media. And I feel like, you know, the, the light was on us for like a good year. Yeah. And then now it's kind of like going, and I'm like, come the fuck mm. back. Like, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, but but yeah, totally. But I mean, rewind mm. even further back. If you if you remember, like all of the prints yeah. that we've done, they the majority of those are by people that are either mm. dead themselves or like really really old yeah. old authors. Like Aristotle, like these people that have been around ever. for forever. They were talking about mm-hmm. then, and it just wasn't picked up. I know. It's, for yeah, something it's that's crazy. so shameless no, plug. Yeah, yeah. Shameless plug. <laughs> Yeah, get the print. We actually did some, really nice, we a... did some really nice self-care yeah. prints too. Go to our website. Love that, love that. Well, that'll leave me quite into. So sort of like if somebody comes to Suicide & Co's um, Instagram or your website, what are they expecting? If there is somebody who has been bereaved by suicide and they come across you, what can they expect um, to be supported by the charity? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Instantly going to get a tiny part of mine in Exa- the meaning. Duh, because duh, a baby. <laughs> but it's... Um, it's really, really bright and it's comforting and the door's mm. open and it's just normalizing, normalizing all the things that we take for granted as being yeah. simple, i.e. having yeah. a conversation and just really reinforcing that suicide loss mm-hmm. is isolating, but a lot of grief mm. is isolating and you absolutely are yeah. alone. Um, and then yeah. you said earlier, and then we have. Oh yeah, yeah. you talking about the. Also, oh, no, you go, you go. You like? Oh no, I'm <laughs> just gonna. This is classic me. I'm just gonna go into the operational <laughs> side of it. Go for it. Um, go for no, it. No, but we we have a help pub on there, yeah. which is like it kind of looks a bit like a blog, but it's essentially just I'm at, like we're really proud of it because it's essentially like it signposts to other resources, but it tells you like this isn't just this charity over here. Like this is why this is relevant to somebody yeah. that would be going through suicide related grief or just grief. It just breaks it down a little bit. Um, yeah. And then we create things like the podcast and books and signposts to people doing brilliant things that are just a l- mm. little bit less like, you know, a bit more light touch than a, than a resource. And then we also surface lived experience. Like we want more stories about people that have been bereaved by suicide in, you know, Mm -hmm. any type of format or whatever. So we're trying to surface as much as we can of that. Um, and then we have our counseling service and that's how people can apply to the counseling service. Yeah. That part, I really want to get so, into that as well. Because when I, when I saw, I think I was on your stories, yeah, like a, a couple of months ago, sort of like, you know, we've now funded X amount of things. I was like, oh, it made me emotional. Because I was like, oh, I, 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 what I do when I see things, I just imagine like the people in the room, like I imagine the people in the room getting that service and getting that help. And that's from you. And how, Oh, my God. And does it, But it's mega emotional, isn't it? Mega emotional. Yeah. <laughs> Getting applicants was the biggest game changer. Yeah. And it was after such a huge amount of work yeah. of like us, like literally just like four steps forward, like 10 yeah. steps backwards, like falling yeah. down this hill being like, oh my God, there's a reason why there isn't a national counseling service set up yeah. already. Do you know like, all of that stuff? <laughs> oh, people don't do counseling because it's really expensive. That's why people mm. do groups, like all of yeah. these types of things. But you know, it's been, we got to the point and we, we moved really quickly just so that we could try and get it off the ground. And it's been fantastic. Mm. And so far we've had like 32 applicants, going to be super transparent. We've been going for just over a month. We've yeah. done like, we've trying to launch very gradually because we are nervous about mm. being overwhelmed, obviously. Um, of course. Of and course. we've got space for more. And so now we're just kind of pushing it out there and trying to get as many people as help as possible. And we've got big, big plans mm. to kind of, you know, allow it to scale for the huge numbers that we have to serve. Yeah. And you said, yeah, for the future, but like 32 people, 32 lives that you're wow. helping. That must be such an incredible feeling. And is it, it quite like it all is. like. Can it be quite. I know for myself as well, sort of even people say, grief gangs help me, et cetera, like that. And I'm like, I'm so glad it's helped you, but I hate the fact that it actually has to help you. Like, uh-huh. I hate the fact that you even have to be here. Yeah. Yeah. I finally yeah. found the line yeah. that I email people with when they get in touch saying they want to help. Mm-hmm. I finally found the line that I feel comfortable with saying, 
like, thank you so much for reaching out. I'm so sad that we're meeting under these circumstances, but I'm so yeah. happy that we're meeting with a common purpose to help people because I just, I kept stumbling for ages and I was like, that's actually exactly what I mean. Like, and yeah. now I say that to everyone and yeah it, yeah yeah it's no yeah. it's no it's not it's not like you know saying oh like thanks you know you can't be like thanks for coming in like you know kind of like it's not something like that and it's it's you're being honest and you're going it's fucking yeah. shit that you have to be here. and I say all the time as well I'm like it's fucking shit that you have yeah. to be here and that you even have to resonate with my staff but I would say yeah. you're in good company and you're with good people and you're around people who are going to get in here are going to help you and that's exactly what you're doing um I want to ask you to I want to ask you to about about mum and dad I want to ask you about them what were they like what were they like as parents what was it like growing up tell us about them what are their names you go then oh my god oh, he's gonna cry, oh, he's gonna oh, cry. I I'll cry with you I'm an absolute cryer so I've actually I actually I actually did bring tissues out of my handbag earlier on just oh, in case um so my dad was called Gerald to everyone here. However, weird Irish Catholic thing. His name was actually Patrick oh. Gerald. Patrick Gerald Morrishow. And I don't think I found that out until I was about 12. Because <laughs> everyone just called him Gerald or Jez yeah. or Jerry. Um, he was a carpenter um, in, in classic tradey um, mm. nature. Would always get everyone else's jobs done. But mum was always waiting for the house <laughs> to get it done up because yeah. couldn't be bothered um really silly great fun really proud to be Irish just then um had had like mad always like mad auburnish <laughs> hair that was always yeah. a bit scraggy and he always wanted a beard and mum was always like don't have a beard Gerald you look horrible <laughs> um yeah and he was just really warm and fun but equally just the last two years, it's really hard to remember all of the good yeah. parts because the last two years, you just go, oh, you were just so combative all the time and so mm. miserable and so argumentative and so done yeah. with life in a lot of ways. But, but thinking past that, and yeah, he was, um, he was, I suppose the only way to describe him, a bit mm. of a firecracker, a total handful. <laughs> It's quite funny when it, whenever and this is, I mean, I'm sure Mum will listen to this and and howl at this. It's the classic thing of if ever me or my sister have got mm. a bad quality, it's my dad's fault. <laughs> it's that sort of, it's that sort of, you know when you go poor poor timekeeping. Oh, yeah. Well, that's your dad. That's your dad. <laughs> oh, getting drunk. That's your dad. Like mm, yeah, you know that yeah, sort yeah. of. Um, but he was he was just a massive. A massive people pleaser and um yeah always always he's abigail will resonate with this when she hears this um no matter where you went whether so as i say from bradford no matter where you went if you're in london if you're in newcastle if you're in dublin if you're in alicante you would always bump into someone who knew my dad <laughs> or one of his like it's so, you know, weird so yeah big big Love character that. um yeah that was Love yeah. that. That's Alicante. That's Someone knows him. <laughs> yeah, right. That's brilliant. And Amelia, mm. what was your mum like? Yeah, so um my mum was called Cindy or Lucinda. Um like uh, I said at the start, you know, she was just this uh so silly, like she had just an incredible heart and we would just have the most ridiculous times together like mm. she was obsessed with musicals 
I'm obsessed with musicals. She <laughs> was just like always up for playing. Like I, as an only child, used to be <laughs> so into imaginary games. I used to put a stool against the sitting room and she'd just walk past during her normal day and I'd be like, oh, hello, madam. Would you like to check in? She'd be like, oh. straight into improvisation. Love she it. was at Love a hotel. It. I was wondering how long she'd stay for. How many nights? I'd go into the middle oh. of the kitchen. She'd be like, how are you up the laundry? And I'd be like, sorry, Miss Wrighton, but George is being so badly behaved. I mean, nutter, right? And Loved she was it. the best yeah literally creative so creative and and just um always I mean she was there for everybody she was just the most uh, warming accepting empathetic individual and a lot of it stemmed for she had a bit of a shit stick like she got a lot Mm. of stuff thrown at her you know she had postnatal depression she had lots of issues with her feet she just had lots of issues Mm. that came at her physically which Mm. which ended up you know um manifesting very badly mentally she was also bipolar um and you know that that creative energy for anybody that's you know live with somebody who has bipolar that creative energy a manic episode can come out in the most like awesome version of yourself like I'd go home and I would be like sort of delayed on my RA level and she would have turned the sitting room into an art studio and all that meant was we had two armchairs and she'd just move them to (laughs) one side and there was just like space to do art and other times I'd go home and all we would do is sit there with a bottle of Diet Coke each packet of fags and we'd just watch musicals Mm. and that was a low point but I felt so connected and snugly to her um and this, one of the saddest parts was she, before she died, had had an incredible manic up, like huge up. Mm-hmm. She started a business doing things that would have benefited so many people. She worked in an old people's home and she then went to set up um, an entertainment agency where people could go in and entertain um, old people's homes. Mm-hmm. And it was just getting off the ground mm. and it was nailing it. And she got artists and Kerhone signed up. And and then when the next down hit, it was it was the catastrophic one. Yeah. Unfortunately. It was a really but she was amazing and so many people love and resonate and miss her to this day, obviously hugely. So yeah, yeah that was that was mummy. Oh. Oh, thank oh. you, girls. Thank you for sharing that with me. And um one one last question for both of you with them, just in uh, a couple of words, if you want. Um, what did their love feel like for you? I'm going to cry. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> that's okay. I would say, like, the word that's coming to me is probably, like, unconditional, you know, like losing a parent to suicide you know, or anybody to suicide, you you know, the unconditional love that you have with with a parent is what it feels like. And that's what, you know, is obviously then the extra heartbreaking. But yeah. that bond was there and that bond was amazing. And that bond was, um, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, unconditional. Honestly. I've never met anyone who composes themselves so fast <laughs> after crying. Right? I'm Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're just brilliant. No, you're mm. brilliant. Um, I and I, I suppose, I suppose it, it's always best to be honest, especially in these 
um, conversations where people might be seeking help for their yeah. own experience and they don't feel like they fit. I actually don't remember, I just don't remember yeah. that feeling. And it was so complicated for my dad because of all that anger that I told you about. And we also, I was just a really moody teenager for a big part mm. of my life who had, who just argued with my dad. And and I think when you lose, when you lose parents so young, it's kind of hard to know how yeah. you feel now. Because I just remember being a moody, furious, angsty, Avril <laughs> fan, a uh, teenager from being like, 13 to 18 and then I just yeah. wasn't there I was at uni so I don't even really remember it but I always remember like when we look at pictures and just, and my dad and Abigail were particularly close and I always remember the way that he loved mm. her like that's why I remember and you go oh that's yeah. so special because I because she was little and I remember how brilliant he was with her even though I was yeah. a movie teenager um so yeah, so yeah, I I can't remember no, what I felt like, fine. but it's yeah. complicated. It's complicated is in itself a complicated one. Yeah. That's completely fine. That's completely valid. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, one of my other questions. So, as we know, you know, you starting up Suicide and Co. is to start the conversation, open the conversation, keep talking. As we know, the the, the taglines are taglines, and yeah. there's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is so much more work to do around how we speak about suicide, how we address it, how we destigmatize it, and as you as you touched on earlier, saying people saying it's a choice and things like that. So I wanted to ask you both: what are some of the taboos around suicide? Like the big taboos that you wish were broken and how we collectively together can get there? Uh, should I start? <laughs> I think, I mean, we're super yeah. aligned in, in everything that we think about this. And, and obviously, um, I mean, it, the most important thing is like, it changes, like we, we're constantly developing. It's such a new subject. It still is so stigmatized. Like when we had our Christmas drinks, me and Emma last year of lockdown, we were still debating things and like, yeah. you know, moving around with things in our heads. Uh, so it's definitely not set in stone. I mean, I think the biggest thing is, is um, like we were saying, people thinking it's a choice. I think the, the thing that um, everybody hopefully will move towards is that people are choosing to die to end the pain. They are mm -hmm. not choosing to die. Like if, you know, that is kind of the, the biggest thing. All of the research shows around that, that they get into a state of just total pain. They want the pain to end and it's not bigger than that. That is the tunnel vision moment. And so I think that's a big education piece. Anything that comes out, like, I mean, I hear less of it. I really do things like it's selfish, mm -hmm. it's cowardly. All of those things need to fuck off. Um, yeah. And then I guess there's a bigger... Just judgment. Yeah. There's no that, judgment. Yeah. I, yeah. It's just, it's still hard to talk about for sure in some yeah. areas way more than others. And I think sometimes it's hard even to remember through platforms like Instagram that are welcoming and open around smaller, more you know, rural or less like digitally savvy communities, these conversations fundamentally at a base level aren't happening. Yeah. There are families hiding yeah. the fact that it was a suicide. Mm -hmm. There are 
people back in like when it happened with my mom there was big things that we didn't do because of shame that was within the family not my close family but the wider family um mm-hmm. I don't know if I've answered the question or just gone on a huge rant. That, that... no perfect absolutely thank you no no yeah I think you're spot on with that and I think anything around judgment or anything around um mm. well it's gossip isn't it you know the classic thing of oh well yeah. I wonder why oh, well, or oh do you yeah. think it's money worries or oh do you think do you think they mm. were hiding this what do you think like there should basically yeah. no room for no. that like that is dirty yeah. and vile and gross um and I think progressively we are stopping well we and nobody should really be saying commit yeah. or committed because of legal terms around that and just to add to what Amelia said because I think I think it's really interesting the whole point of um, hiding because stigma and shame pushes people underground yeah. and you hide from reality. I think something very real is people are embarrassed about saying we lost yeah. much suicide. And I don't think that's often helped because especially around mental health awareness and it's so important and we are the biggest number one mm. advocate of it. But actually, when you're speaking to people who've been bereaved by suicide, I personally, and this isn't for everyone, but I personally find it really triggering being told constantly, just talk, mm. talking, talking makes people stay, just talk. Yeah. And you know, you go, we had talked solidly yeah. for two years with professionals, with everybody who would have listened. And I think it's just being mindful with any situation in life, whether it is death and grief and suicide or just anything that is potentially triggering just be mindful if you've not if you've not walked a mile in that person's shoes should you really have an opinion on it Mm. Mm. yeah yeah um, i agree and amelia you touched on this sort of like how sort of like on instagram too sort of like socially on on the internet the conversation is happening and i suppose could we say it's an age thing with more people who are Instagram, but as you say, more deeper, rural, and sort of actually outside in the real world. That mm. is what, and as you touched on there, sort of saying you don't really hear much of those um, those horrible comments or those 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 wrong terminologies. But yeah, in in outside communities, oh, they're, they're there, they're there, and you and you see it like yeah. you see it rear its ugly heads. Um, I find especially that these people still exist. And it's as you, as you probably both imagine, where we are so immersed in the grief community and what we consume mostly each day is people being mindful and respectful and yeah. learning. Yeah. So when we step out of that and we go back into our like everyday world and we come across people who, mm. you know, you might tell them about your loss and they're kind of a bit, oh, and or they might ask, how? How does it happen? You think, hang on a fucking minute. You think I've not I've yeah. not been asked that for how long? Um, yeah, and it, you really realise sometimes I in this moment I feel like there's not one person who doesn't know about like me and my grief and like my journey and what I'm doing. But then when you step out and sometimes you do speak to strangers in whatever capacity that may look like, um, and you tell them about it, someone it's like, yeah. oh, you uh, you sit on the internet and talk about death or grief, or you sit on the internet and talk about suicide and bereavement, and I think. Fuck me have you just come under your rock <laughs> like it's baffling uh, no yeah <laughs> but it, 
and it's 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 so true and it, it the service if anything seeing referrals through the service has been really eye-opening again mm. and a real reaffirmation of like okay cool there are a lot of people there out there who are having those types of conversations and or not and literally I've seen you know things around talking to neighbors and feeling isolated within their communities and everything yeah. and we had a situation the other day where you know, somebody's contacting us around the only way that they would be able to access the service is landline. So I was like, yeah, yeah, no. I can arrange telephone counselling. But then hang on a second. How, the, how are they going through our triage process? It's all yeah. online. You know, like we, mm. it's the way that we've set, you know, it's so much. And a big part of our strategy is, is integrating into the directories, the local bereavement specialists, the GP mm -hmm. surgery, we have to, otherwise we will not yeah. get to, you know, the people that we need to as well. And I think yeah. it's just, yeah, it's that, that, that area. There's a lot of support that everybody on Instagram and everybody that's in our closer network needs. The taboos yeah. for me are less, in, less of the like core community we have, more of the rural. Mm. The people that we're wider, with need the yeah. support big time. But the rural, yeah. like wider society, I'm not even saying rural, I'm just saying wider society need that taboo yeah. piece big time. And we're working on a project at the yeah. moment to try and to try and tackle that. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. You're you're seeing it bigger than than like yeah instagram and social media like as much as it's fantastic that you're being able to meet and connect with these people on social media you recognize that not that this isn't enough but you're like there's more people that need help and they may not have accessibility to mm. this fire online so how do we reach them that's fantastic absolutely fantastic well i'll go go yeah go 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 <laughs> being disconnected in this day and age I know, so hard, I know. and just so isolated. yeah but then we say that though then I see people that aren't on platforms and la 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 happy as a clam it's true and I'm like could you get on it because I'd like to be able to see what you would had for brunch like genuinely <laughs> that's what I'd like to see I, I have one friend who doesn't have Instagram but her boyfriend does and whenever she's in his Instagram I'm like cool what are you up to over there <laughs> Yeah. yeah she's like you're, like, you're like pan the camera pan the camera on her yeah I also see her and I'm like did you not know I've got my hair done I've done it on Instagram so why would you not know that do you know what I mean it's that whole it's, move it's level. mad isn't it it's mad yeah. how yeah, yeah. life experience is outside of the yeah screen. like you're living yeah. outside of of the devil's yeah. square like you're living outside of it what <laughs> no Christ I wish I wasn't don't look at me, don't look at me. Yeah, I don't have literally, a filter. Yeah. I've not got the Paris filter. I've not got the Paris filter. <laughs> brilliant oh well oh, girls so i've come good. to my last question for you um this is a question that i ask all of my guests and it's one of my favorite questions um so it is if you could go back to your pre-bereaved self and give yourself some useful and helpful advice for the journey you're about to go on what would it be i find with this question for every person who's asked it, it almost, it just transports you back into that moment yeah. of when you found out the news. And you take some time of it. Don't have to answer immediately. Take your time. I mean, I've got the usual cliche and I do listen. So I know that a lot of people say this, but it is just the truest, just the case of you mm -hmm. will be okay and you will yeah. survive this and brighter days mm -hmm. will come. 
But um, I think the only other thing, probably this is a personal level as opposed to, I don't know how helpful it was for everyone else. Um, you're not too emotional. Mm. As somebody who's always been made to feel like I am too emotional, now that I'm the other side of 30 and really comfortable with my emotions because of going through that mm. level of grief so young, bring your authentic self wherever you go. Like if you need to cry in a public place or at work or at a dinner party or wherever yeah. the hell you are, just embrace it. It's part of you and being your authentic self and, and it's empowering to know that your emotions are yours and you can live through Amazing. them. That speaks to me. So, yeah. Yeah, that really speaks to me as well. Yeah. Love that. Thank you. From, from one, one literally from one cry as one sobber to another literally <laughs> <laughs> amelia i would say i don't know we've just talked about talking but i would say have have the conversations earlier mm. i didn't i it took me a much longer time to come to the terms with things like it wasn't a choice and things like that it really did take me longer to feel i didn't feel as much anger but i also didn't go through the full process for a long mm-hmm. time and even now that I've done suicide and co I've had friends of mine be like yeah I feel like I got there before and I'm like yeah well that's fine because it wasn't your loss but equally it's like it's <laughs> watching that from <laughs> the outside like you know it did it took me a while so I would say that and the other thing I would say is that like home is something you carry around with you like I struggled for a really long time understanding where my home was now that this had happened and Mm. I then realized that it was something that it was inside me and I could carry that feeling around like me myself so that was another thing I would say Thank you, little. Oh, that is lovely. That's got me welling up, that. Tiny little home. Yeah. (laughs) My tiny little home. I love that. Well, girlies, before we go, please do tell the listeners where they can find you plug yourself plug anything you want them to know that's coming up plug it you go em <laughs> so you can go and find us so as amelia said earlier on we've got a really brilliant resource on our website called the help hub and you can also find out details about our counseling service on there um and just find out a bit more of a charity so that is www.suicideandpro.com org um and you can find us at instagram so we're we're friends with we're friends with amber Absolutely. on there you can find us in her yeah. in her followers um and our handle on there is at suicide and co um and our last thing well two last things if you do have a lived experience of losing someone's suicide and you want to share your story we would love to hear from you love. we're big talkers but we're also really big listeners so send us a video, send us um, send us a poem, send us a written article, whatever you would like to put there, put out there into the world. Um, and we also do really, really fun products. Yeah. We're big believers in, um, we want to create beautiful things for people to keep. So whether that is self-care prints, which are amazing prints for your house or our Suicide & Co bracelet. Love them. <laughs> Yeah, which I'm yeah. sharing to the camera um or our t-shirts which are actually only available for a little bit so they might not be available yeah. when you're listening to this but keep on keep on checking yeah. in because we keep on creating products that you will love and we couldn't exist without you guys buying them so thank you amazing well Amelia and Emma thank you so much today 
for coming here and speaking with me about all things Suicide and Co. It's been an absolute pleasure of mine. Um, Grief Gang, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I really, really do hope that you go and check out the girls and what they're doing because what they're doing is so valuable and I cannot wait to see what is to come and be rooting you girls on through and through because you're fucking amazing. So, <laughs> Grief Gang... <laughs> so grief gang this has been me your host amber jeffrey with emma and amelia from suicide and co take care bye well that's it for this week's episode i hope you all enjoyed it and it set your week off to a great start whether you've laughed a little cried a little i mean i think crying is good for the soul or you've resonated with something that was said thank you for listening and spending time out of your day to do so if you like what you hear please do rate review and subscribe in doing so you're ensuring that lots more people get to find the grief gang podcast and hopefully help them too if you're not already check out the grief gang on social media platforms such as instagram twitter and facebook i'm most active on the instagram page where i love 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 to connect with you all for now take care big, big love. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 